Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. All right, this is Finding Backcountry Podcast, episode dos y cinco, veinte y cinco, 25. Episode 25, we're at, a, we're at the quarter century mark on our podcasting episode. You know what? I want to take this moment to just thank all of our listeners because this has been this has been quite the journey and it's not over yet. It's not over yet. This started as on a kind of a whim, something that I just wanted to do and probably four, three or four or five months later, here we are. It's only just begun. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is today's guest, who you know very well, the one, the only, my brother, Jason Whitwer. <laughs> Hubba underscore three. Couldn't find anyone else again. <laughs> yeah. When when I message people and they won't get back to me and I start getting low on options, then I pull my brother in and act like we're purposely doing a podcast, so... We are purposely doing a podcast, and our purpose of the podcast today is Nevada. <clears throat> Nevada tag strategy. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've had a few other guests on that uh, for other states. This is this is the one state that I feel confident uh, we can. Jason and I can give the rundown on because, well, we grew up here and we grew up hunting Nevada. Uh, not only that, but arguably the best, probably three or four or five units in the state down kind of the south, at least for deer. Well, deer and elk too. Deer, deer and elk. Deer and elk kind of down here in the southeast corner of, of the state. So with that, we'll, uh, do you have anything you want to add? What do you think of the podcast thus far? It's been good. <clears throat> yeah. Had some cool people on. Talked about good stuff. Good. Jason, I've got Jason hooked on podcasts now, I think, at least mine. Um, but when I started this, he was one of those, what is a podcast? Podcasting. Yeah, I don't want to do a podcast. I don't even like podcasts. And now he'll text me after I publish an episode and... I don't even think about it and he'll say, Oh, that was a great, I like that one. That was funny or that was good. Or I like that. So it's, uh, I was looking up statistics on podcasts just in general the other day for my work that I'm trying to convince my, the uh, company that I work for to start our own podcast. And yeah, it's like, it's been a steady growth of podcast listener increase from, you know, for the last five or 10 years, a pretty steady growth of, you know, 10 or 15%, depending on which study you looked at. So it's something that I love and uh, we're going to continue doing it. And like I said, this is number 25. And so <clears throat> we're going to jump right into uh, Nevada. And again, a little, just 
little bit more background on us. We, uh, we've grown up here in Southern Nevada, just about an hour North of Las Vegas. And so this is our, this is our home turf. This is where, where we hunted our whole lives. Um, we've said this before, I think on the first episode I had Jason on, but, um, you know, we didn't, what we didn't do is we didn't hunt a lot of other species besides mule deer. Um, it's just the way that it was, you know, we didn't know any different. Um, but we, we did that pretty well, I thought for, uh, for the area. And, you know, there's, there's also a lot of other guys here locally that we know that, that, uh, know how to get it done in these kind of a little bit different than your, than your typical, you know, I, I just applied for Colorado the other day and that's just more, you know, high, high alpine basin, 11,000 feet, you know, pine trees and stuff. And this most, some of these units in Nevada, I think you can get that, you know, especially if you go further North. Um, but man, the mule deer hunting in particular, and even the elk hunting is different, but the mule deer hunting is just a, it's a whole nother ball game down here in the Southeast corner. It's dry. It's hot. There is not a lot of deer, especially compared to a state like Colorado or Utah. And so you can expect, you know, if you're looking at one of these, uh, mule deer tags down here, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit different hunt, but it, it can be an awesome hunt and no doubt some of the best, if not the best, uh, you know, maybe top three or top five units in the, in the West for some mule deer hunting. Big, <clears throat> big, big bucks. You know, and elk too. I Nevada for elk is not, it's not quite up there yet, or or I don't think it ever will be. I think they just kind of, you know, it's like the best of the, it's it's the, you know, it's it's not quite Arizona. Um, I don't know, where else do they, Utah. Utah girls a little bit bigger bulls. Um, but man, it's hard for the quality of hunt that I know we have here, um, you know, very few other hunters and then, and then mix that with the quality of, of bulls that we have. Um, God, it's, it's, it's just an all around one of the best hunts I think in the, in the West for elk, um, antelope, you know, just like every other state, it's second to Wyoming, you know, basically is the way I look at antelope everywhere else in the West. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. As long as the state has a decent herd of antelope, it's always going to be second to Wyoming, and that's exactly Nevada. Um, you know, we're not big antelope guys, and so I'm not going to pretend to rattle off a lot of different antelope statistics or what you can expect specifically. But generally, I know, you know, 70, 75-inch goats is, is pretty reasonable. Uh, I think the world record, I think, came out of, Arizona, Arizona, didn't it? So yeah. it's probably Wyoming, Arizona, yeah, and then and then Nevada take, just kind of mixed yeah, in. Throw a dart, yeah, <laughs> throw a dart at Nevada or Montana or. But really, who cares about antelope? Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> I've That's, got I I think it's almost like turkey hunting, <laughs> you know, almost. <laughs> I've got total with all of my states included. I've probably got twenty antelope points just kind of mixed here and there and I don't even care like I every year care less. every single year every single year we get to this point the application season and I'm like because because I just I just want to go hunt stuff and so I'm like dude we got these antelope points like like let's do it this year like, nah I don't know man like why don't we he would rather like why don't we just go pick up some 
you know, second rate over the counter yeah. elk tag in in Colorado or anything. Um, as far as the turkeys, you know, I want to make one comment there. I think the second that someone takes me on a backcountry turkey hunt, <laughs> then I might change my opinion. But until then, the only turkey hunts that I've been on were pretty, pretty close to a road. And, you know, then you hear the whole comment about turkeys being like calling in a bull just like elk hunting and i've never <laughs> turkey hunted real hard but it's not like hunting elk so here we go um i guess there's nothing else to do in april yeah so, <laughs> well whatever. bear hunting or shed hunting even is acceptable answers um so uh along those same lines you know our our family we ran a guided hunting business um love them or hate them you know guides we uh my grandpa and my dad ran a guided hunting business in southern utah southern nevada um, you know, and so we not only had a lot of our own hunts and our family's hunts, but we, I remember as a kid, at least I was old enough to, uh, be out there and just kind of be around a lot of other guys, uh, experiencing hunting in Southern Nevada. And so our roots run pretty deep here. And, you know, what is your favorite Nevada hunting story? Just generally from back in the day. Sure. Or recently, any, any of the above. My favorite, honestly, is going to be one that I heard from Grandpa Whitworth, so I wasn't even there. You want me to go first? Sure. Okay. I got to think. So my favorite hunting story off the top of my head is one that Grandpa tells all the time when he was guiding. Um, You know, this has been probably 25 years ago or 30 years ago, maybe, maybe before I was even born. Anyway, he had a a client and they were... um, in two two forty one probably right here outside of Panaka, and uh, he's guiding this guy, and and you have to know my grandpa, and I'll try to I'll try to you know retell it like he does, but he's they're they're hiking these hills, and they come up over the top of this hill. Grandpa says, and there below him lies in between two trees. This buck is bedded down, <laughs> and. Basically, not skylined, obviously, but like skylined on the ridge that he's on, and so it was really obvious to Grandpa. I know this one. And this buck was Grandpa said, and Grandpa's seen a lot of deer. Uh, this was one of the, if not the biggest buck that he's ever seen in his life. <laughs> and he's he's guiding this guy, and they pop up over the ridge, and I don't remember. It was close though. It was under probably two hundred yards. And the buck knew that they were there, but like bucks, big bucks do sometimes, they're just going to sit and wait. And so this buck laid in his bed. Grandpa said he he was laying in his bed, and he always, like, uses his arms, right? He, he, when he's explaining the story, you just see him. He's like, this buck was turned in his bed, and his horns, I'm not kidding you, you know, and he puts his arms out, like, 40 inches wide or whatever, probably exaggerating. And there was no way that you could miss it. He was bedded in between two cedar trees, you know, but way in the open, big gap between them. And and Grandpa sneaks up over and he says, there he, there he is, there he is, you know, in Grandpa's way that he says it. There he is, there he is. You got to, you know, this is the buck we're after. And I think that the client must have been embarrassed that he didn't see it right off and so he just went along (laughs) he just went along with it for a second because grandpa said he he cocked one in he threw up his gun he gets all set up and grandpa says okay whenever you're ready you just you let him have it and the guy went through the whole process lying to to himself and finally after like 5 10 15 seconds grandpa says well are you gonna shoot him 
And finally the guy says, I, I can't see him. And grandpa, then at that point in the story, grandpa always goes, <laughs> what do you mean you can't see him? It's the, he's right there. You know? And it's just like to know grandpa and to hear that story. And then I'm just picturing this buck that's, you know, at this point in the story, it's 50 inches wide. You know, this biggest, probably the world record as far as grandpa tells it. And this this poor client couldn't see it, but he was—he wasn't—he uh, was gonna pray that he could pick it up in the scope. I think <laughs> before he shot. Oh, what man. do you mean you can't? What see? do you mean you can't see it? He's right there. Yeah. Buck got away. I've heard Grandpa <laughs> tell that one a bunch of times. Yeah. Oh. All right, go ahead. Anything come to mind? Well, I'll—I'll I'll, um, <clears throat> since you went old school, I'll go new school. Um, my favorite hunt. Um, was probably mainly because of how big the deer was when uh, helping guide for um, Deep Creek uh, two years ago now on the archery hunt here in Nevada when uh, Dan Troy from California killed that 233 buck. <laughs> Talk about holy piss. That Seeing that thing on the hoof was just unreal. I've I've never seen a deer like that in my life. I think it went like thirty six and a half inches wide. Uh, they scored it at two thirty three. Just and Dan, Dan the the client glassed up the buck, <laughs> and then he's like, "I'm gonna go stalk it" because uh, we were in a different spot. So he's on the radio telling us he's gonna go stalk it. So he goes in, and then he stands at forty yards from this buck for four hours. Just standing there in the freaking sun. And yeah, it's, I was going to say, paint a picture of what this is looking like that time of year yeah, on an archery hunt. In the desert, it was over 100, I guarantee. It was probably 105. <laughs> and he is standing there um, four hours, no water, nothing, just holding his bow. Arrow knocked. Arrow knocked, <laughs> just waiting for this buck to stand up. He's like, I don't want to make a noise. I just want him to stand up. Won't do it. And so finally, after four hours, he's like, I couldn't stand any longer. So he starts making a like a cow noise, and the buck stands what, up. What do you, like a moo? Like a moo. <laughs> yeah. That would be the last thing that come to mind. Well, that's what he It worked. <clears throat> and so at this point, we're up there on the hill watching, and we've all the ready to fall asleep because we just can't take it anymore. 2.30 buck, and you guys are yeah. And... <laughs> Then uh, T-Bone, the the guide uh, for Deep Creek, he's like, he's drawing back, he's drawing back. So we hurry and get on it, and sure enough, see the arrow hit the buck and watch the buck take off around the hill as the arrow's sticking out. And it was just, that was crazy. Yeah, that's exactly one of those hunts that we were talking about. You know, guys, I think, see the record books or they see the Instagram posts of the deer that come out of these southern units <clears throat> and don't get me wrong they're out there but man it's gonna be in in my opinion being around it just a little bit and then being in the high country chasing mule deer in the high country in the back country a lot it's more mentally oh yeah challenging and mentally exhausting to get an arrow in a big buck down in these desert units when it's 100 degrees than it is up in the up in the high country, yeah. for sure. We, um, on that hunt, we hunted one buck that we we think went higher. <laughs> we think he scored higher. He, We were thinking he was in the 240 area because 
he was just ridiculous. But we hunted him for seven straight days and never saw him. <laughs> hmm. So it's just, I was ready to leave on day four, and the client is just like, no, he's like, let's just, he's like, I came here for a buck like this. We're just going to stick it out. But, you know, and that is tough. That, that to me brings up a good point that I was going to talk about here anyway, and that is that some of the changes coming in Nevada. And, you know, I, I looked today before we recorded this, and I couldn't find that it had actually gone through yet because I think the official meeting is still coming up. But right now there is, and that being said, it's already been passed in Arizona, I believe, their own variation of this. Mm-hmm. But in Nevada, it's on the docket to uh make some major changes to the trail camera uh rules and regulations in the state of Nevada <clears throat> and what they've got proposed is if i can remember off the top of my head no camera after august 1st yeah period no camera ever that can transmit like automatically transmit or send images or GPS locations, you know, when a picture's taken. And then no camera ever within 300 feet or yards. I think it's yards. I think it's 300 yards. Of it's a, 300 yards of any, basically any... Any man-made water source. Well, no, I read it today. It was any spring, any water source. Oh, really? That's the way it read today. So, In fact, I took a picture of it. I'll, I'll read it to make sure. So... So, and the reason that that's important is, you know, the, these deer that we're talking about, um, yeah, so it says, um, or, so n- no trail camera within 300 feet, we were wrong, 300 feet of a spring, water source, or artificial basin that is used by wildlife and collects or is designed and constructed to collect water. Anything that holds water. No trail camera within 300 feet. Here's the deal. There are trees down here in the desert of Nevada where these big bucks hang out but are very hard to find. There'll be one cedar tree within 50 feet of a water hole. And how many trail cameras have you seen on one individual tree at any given time? (laughs) I posted a picture. It's probably been two years now, but I think there were... 11 yeah <laughs> 11 cameras on one tree yeah and there probably there, there were, probably would have been more but there wasn't enough branches there were there's <laughs> oh and we put a camera up on that tree too. <laughs> so there's 12 <laughs> and then i think around the rest of the pond there was another like 15 cameras yeah and so the point is you know these these deer um i think a majority if not all probably not all, I shouldn't say that, but majority of these big, big desert bucks, especially down in the southeastern portion of the state, they're only even hunted or known about because guys are able to throw trail cameras. I mean, there are guys, you know, certain even big name guys that I won't mention that. I mean, that's just, that's how they make their living killing these bucks out here. Well, we, um, we've got a ranch in the prime country of Nevada um, for big, big bucks. And in my whole life, yeah, I've, I don't think I've ever seen, I've never seen a, a buck over, you know, over a two point yeah. in my whole entire life in the daylight. Even, ever. even does, you don't see him. I honestly, to be honest, that, that being said, I, I did not think that there was deer in that country. 
I like <laughs> I didn't either until one morning me and uh Travis Levitt, T Bone, who is the head guide for Deep Creek, and this was probably we were probably he was probably sixteen and I was probably fifteen, and we were heading out, leaving the ranch to go out to area twenty three when um five bucks crossed the road right there kind of by our ranch and you both and whoa there were two small ones one was like a 180 buck and then there were two that were like drop tines and crap going everywhere and we he's like dude holy crap (laughs) we jump out of the the truck and like or run in to see him and that's kind of when it opened my eyes i'm like holy piss these things who who knows what's in here because and that's kind of when a couple years later trail cameras started coming really around blew up. and once that happened you just you know I th- yeah. it's it's just crazy we had no idea yeah and so i've seen both sides of it and i'm i'm not exactly sure where i stand um you know meaning i don't know if if i don't agree with the trail cameras i'm not exactly sure what the rules should be but i can say that i don't I don't have an opinion enough to disagree with the changes that they're, that they're proposing. Like I just, it's just become, you know, in its, in its pure form, which to me is just the blue collar guy that wants to, you know, drew his once in a lifetime elk tag or deer tag or whatever, and wants to just put up a few trail cameras and hunt. Like that's not been the problem, the problem. And, and not that it's a problem. It's just, it's unmanageable at that when when all the guides are running i hear of guides running up to 300 300 trail cameras in the oh, state yeah. of nevada they're out there and, and arizona and that, is probably even worse it's just, yeah it's just like too too much of anything will ruin stuff and that's just what's happened i think there's enough you know probably the regular joe schmo sportsman that has just had enough of, you know, I don't know. I don't know who it is complaining. I don't know. I'm sure the guides and outfitters aren't doing it. Um, but it's going to make things interesting in Nevada. And, again, I don't even know if this has gone through yet. I don't think it has, but it's on. It's I think on it's the, on the, the menu yeah. for for going up for vote. But, but if you know, if I, had to, if I had to vote right now, I would just do away with them and just let's go back to hunting. Let's go back to when we just pounded the hills. Um, as a kid and just, you know, if you know how to find big bucks, you find them. And if you don't, then you don't. And that, you know, I'm not saying that trail cameras are cheating. I run trail cameras all the time and I think they're awesome and it's so much fun and they're a huge advantage and all that. And I don't blame anyone. I don't, you know, whatever. Um, but if I had to vote and it had to be one way or the other, I would probably vote to not use them. So anyway, just, so again, um, that's one change. Another change in Nevada is the the licensing system. We'll just kind of jump into some key points here that I want to bring up. Um, Nevada has a new, which a couple states have new. Um, Colorado has a new program this year. A, a lot new of website. Are, a lot yeah. of things are changing. Yeah, they're changing their their online systems, which I think is for the better because I actually had a chance to use the new Nevada system today. Um, you know what's funny is like I I'll, I use my wife as a guinea pig for these states. Like <laughs> I got on and I applied her. the The applications opened yesterday. I got on and applied her for her hunts, and I was able to like, you know, just kind of see how the system works. There's some things I like, some things that are kind of weird. Um, it's not you know anymore. You don't have to like 
I can't remember. I think he used to like click on a dot. You know, there was like the five, yeah. five, all the five rows, and then there was dot, 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 dots all the way going first, down. second, third, fourth, fifth choice. Yep. And now yeah. it's it's there's actually pulls up a map. Yeah, I I looked at it too. Yeah, so it pulls up a map of the state of Nevada, and then on the left is all the unit numbers with a plus sign, so you can expand that. And once you expand it, or you can before that you can filter it to only pull up rifle hunts and or only pull up archery and rifle hunts or whatever you want to filter it for weapon choice and then once you click on say 231 it, whatever you filtered through is going to pull up another option thing and you click you know and it's got the season dates which is nice and everything right there it's it's definitely more clear and concise it's just different it's just i think it's more <clears throat> interactive and yeah more 2018 yeah. style Another change that Nevada did um, is that the, in the past, for years, forever, Nevada has been the only state that I know of that published the draw results with everyone's name. Publicly. So Publicly. You can see it. Unit, <laughs> weapon, everything. I mean, everything besides did they kill or not. And I think that that's gone. I don't think that's coming back with this new website. Yeah. They don't have anything like that. Yeah, I'm um, sure it's gone. Which, again, that's, to me, that's kind of like the trail camera thing. Like, when it was there, trust me, I loved it. Guys that weren't, didn't care enough to not post where they were hunting. And, I, and again, every other serious guy who's ever hunted Nevada was doing the same thing. If a guy posted a huge picture of a buck and said, oh, I got this in my... Nevada buck, and he, he gave their first and last name. Guess what? Every there was hundreds of dudes flipping on that website and oh, going down. Oh, here's look up Joe that Schmo. name, Joe Schmo. And oh, he was he in. drew you know oh five one up by the Crawford Farms or whatever. <laughs> Crawford. <laughs> it's a shout out to our buddy Brandon. But um, <laughs> anyway, so that was in my opinion a huge advantage and disadvantage at the same time. And you started seeing guides and outfitters they would post up these huge bucks they were killing with their clients and they would only give the first initial the, the last name of their hunter or they wouldn't even they wouldn't even let their hunter be in the picture or, or with they'd them. use like <laughs> the hunter's middle name hunter, yeah just trying to throw you off you know which is all part of the game anyway that's one that i you know now that it's gone i think all the more you know whatever let's let's get back to just hunting and finding them ourselves well i i think it'll be good because there's units where um guides and just you know normal hunters they're killing big big bucks or bulls in units that typically aren't popular and that people don't know about that much and now they're seeing like oh these guys are killing all these yeah. big big bucks in this unit, yeah. like, oh, and I've seen over the past couple of years, particularly a unit down here in the south, draw, the draw odds, odds have, changed. have completely gone to crap because I think that's what's happening. I think that people are seeing like, <laughs> oh, they're killing all these big bucks on these hunts. Yeah, eventually, eventually people start patterning yeah. where that guy is applying and where that guy's applying and yeah. Um, you know, there's another, again, another very, very, very well-known guy in the, in the industry who just hammers big bucks out here and, and same thing. I mean, I think he's, you know, and, and it's, it's not his fault, but we could always just look up and see where he was hunting and he, yeah. you know, all of a sudden he would change units and you're just like, Oh, what are you doing over there? You know, <laughs> like, sorry. 
um, you know, and, and, and that's, it is what it is. And, you know, he's, he was going to always get his cause he's a great mule deer hunter, but, um, you know, it's just good, good because then guys like him now, they don't have to, you know, yep. it's going to change the game for guys like him who actually know how to kill these big bucks. Now I think he's using a lot of trail cameras to do it. And so maybe that'll change things. I think, I think the guy I'm talking about, okay. he's going to be just fine. He knows who he is and he's going to get it done. But Anyway, just just another change. What they did add, though, which is kind of interesting, is new kind of new bonus point uh, statistics layout, especially. So, in the past, all you've been able to pull up is what did it look like in the past? It was just um, bonus po- bonus points with the unit and for that tag and and how many people drew with each bonus point. Mm-hmm. What it didn't tell you and what's important in the state of Nevada is you have five choices. And so it didn't tell you if that guy drew that tag with his fifth choice or his first choice or his third or whatever. You had no idea. Now they've added um, the graph to include a breakdown of every single point where you know where that was or every single choice of where that hunt was drawn and so you know they're going to show you oh thir- you know yeah most of the guys drew this tag with their first choice but 13 guys in all these bonus drew points drew, choice drew on their third choice right it shows you what choice also with what bonus points each person drew that tag and the reason i think that that's important is it kind of shows the difficulty to draw and so the way that Nevada draws their tags, and this is important, I think, the strategy of, of when you're applying is everyone who applies in Nevada for, let's say, deer, you, if you, regardless of what your bonus points have, you're going to end up with a number. And so what they do with your bonus points, though, is they take whatever you have and they square it. Plus so, one. Plus the one that you have in that year. So you have squared plus one. So if I have five bonus points for deer in Nevada, I'm actually getting 26 names in the hat that year when I apply, you know, which sounds like a ton, but of course everyone else has the same math mathematical uh, deal going on too. And so they take your bonus points, they square them, and then they assign each one of those applications a random number. Just we're talking... I don't even know, maybe millions of numbers here. And then whatever you're, you know, so you, Jason Whitwer, has 26 names in that draw with 26 numbers. Whichever one of those numbers ends up being the lowest, you are assigned that number as a hunter. So then the draw takes place for the deer, and they go through and they start at literally, there will be a guy with number one or whatever, however direction they start, there will be a guy that has number one. That's the guy I want to be this year. (laughs) And you get everything. (laughs) You will get your first choice, top number one choice. Because what they do at that point is what they go down the list of all those numbers. And in Nevada, they cycle through each hunter's complete choices before moving on to the next hunter. Some states draw what I call horizontally, where they'll go on their first choice all the way through, and then they circle back like Colorado's this way. And if there's leftovers, if there's they leftovers, go to then they go to second. And, and you, third. if you, yeah, if you put a tag that you could possibly draw a second choice that had leftovers from the first choice, then you would pick it up on your second. Nevada is not like that. Nevada draws 
um, vertically. And so once uh, that guy at the, you know, whatever, whatever number you, you drew in your thing, once it hits your number, they're going to start with your first choice and they're going to check to see if there's any tags available. If there isn't, if there yep. is, they'll issue it. Boom, you're done. If there isn't, they go to choice two. No tags, choice three. No tags left, choice four, choice five if you put all five choices. And so the reason that that's important is a couple of reasons. One, you got to understand that first of all, different than other states, all those, po- all those choices will zero your bonus points. It's not like Colorado, where if you draw your second choice, you keep a bonus point. And the other thing is like mathematically, I just, I want to put my, my number one, the hardest or what I would consider the absolute best hunt that I would prefer to have over any other hunt. That's the hardest to draw. I would put that first, probably. And the reason I say probably is if you you do run the risk, I think, of if you, let's see, let me think about this. You Yeah, so basically you just want to put in order the, of your preference of what you want to draw. Because once it's your turn and they're cycling through all your things, it doesn't matter anymore. They're going to go through. But if you put a, a hunt that's, relatively easy to draw on your second choice and then you have all of these hard to draw units on your third fourth and fifth choice you're never going to have a chance to even draw those and so you you almost unless you just know that you want to hunt a certain unit you always want to list out your units even though i know my fifth choice is the one that i have the most highest odds of drawing and that's the one that i really want to hunt like i'm okay with drawing that i still might put a late season rifle tag in the best unit in the state, the hardest 0.01% chance of drawing with however many points I have first, because there's always that chance that I get assigned a really high number and they cycle through that. And I'm the guy that, you know, got to pick that tag up and that everyone hates and that everyone will hate because you <laughs> drew a 241 rifle tag with one point as a non-resident <clears throat> or something. So, <laughs> Anyway, it just gives you, it shows the difficulty that there is to draw a unit. And, and the way that you de- determine that by looking at those graphs, if you get on, is all of the really hard to draw units, almost almost 100% of the tags that are drawn for that unit will be in the first choice. Yep. And if you get on and then you scroll down and you see a not so hard to draw unit or maybe a not as good of a quality unit, um, they'll be scattered. Just random. The, yeah, there'll be there'll be almost as many tags drawn in two, three, four, five choices as there is in choice one because that tells me guys are putting that as their multiple choices and still drawing it, and it's not as hard to draw. So, okay, um, the application deadline for Nevada is April sixteenth. It just opened on uh, this little. When this airs, it'll have been open for about one week. It opened on the 19th. Yeah, and that's for all species. It'll be due April 16th for all species. Um, One important thing with that, though, is if you are, and we ran into this once in the past, kind of the when I moved away up to Salt Lake and then we tried to apply. um, If you're a first-time non-resident applying for Nevada and you were born after 1960, you have to pre-register your hunter education number with the state and the way that you do that i think i can't remember exactly but you just i i would just call in to the department of wildlife number and let them know ahead of time that you need to pre-register they either have a paper application or something that you send them i can't remember 
But the point and the key is it's like a seven day processing turnaround. So don't wait. So don't wait. You know, I wouldn't even wait till 10 days. I would do it now. Um, if you're a, f- a first time non-resident applying for Nevada, you need that seven day window to send in your um, hunter ed from your other state, wherever you did that, and then get it approved through the state of Nevada so that you can apply in time. Um, talk about the quotas, Jason. Talk about when the actual tags uh, numbers are set uh, in the state of Nevada. Um, I believe, so they typically have, every year they come out with um, quotas that are just kind of, first they come out with quota recommendations that are what they're going to send to the board to be voted on of just the number of tags given out in each unit. Um, But the actual quotas don't come out until after the draw is already closed, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, you can look at the recommendations and hope that that's actually what passes. Yeah, just just know that, you know, you might think that there's – certain statistics to draw a tag, but you might want to circle back um, before the draw comes out just just to be, you know, just if you're curious and see that, oh, I thought there was going to be 100 tags for that unit and that hunt. There's actually only Next 75, time. you know, and then my, you know, and it doesn't really change anything because it's all done by then. But um, party applications in Nevada are available for the following species, mule deer, cow elk, and antelope horns shorter than their ears antelope which is basically the the female tag um so those are the only three species that they uh approved or showed that were available for party applications and the way that works i believe is pretty standard if you've got two two guys applying um they're going to average and then do they round up i think they round down i do they round down of course they would that sucks they should round up if you, you know, if you average 2.5, they should give you three, but hopefully they do and we're wrong. I don't know. I, I'm not positive, but I want to say they round down. I want to be optimistic and say they round down. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fees. So I looked up the fees. There are a few fees that you're going to pay for each uh, app that you submit. And I believe, I don't know. I couldn't tell today if I actually paid that for each species or if that was like a convenience fee that I was paying but they they dinged me so when I was applying my wife we got nailed for a like a $10 application fee per species 15 for elk 10 for everything else and then like up to $4 whatever they I can't remember what they called it just like a something fee that was like to me looked like you know, a, a processing fee or a, one of those quote unquote, like total or per species, per species, every single one, I printed it right here. I'm going to pull it out. Every single one of these has, oh, of course this sheet doesn't show it, but every single one on my thing had, um, see, look, non, non-refundable fees totaled $23. So I applied my wife for, that is basically elk, antlerless elk, ram, four, five, (laughs) six, seven, eight. Yeah, we're the family that will literally apply for every single thing. Nine. You never know. Ten. Ten species. And 
$23 worth of non-refundable fees. And that's as a resident. Maybe it's higher as a non-resident. I don't know. But just understand that there are um, a couple, like a, pre a predator management fee, um, a non-refundable app fee, and then an online convenience fee. <laughs> Man, this is, what is this, the government? Um, let's see. And I even wrote down, so then I wrote down the, so the fees for elk is 15. Everything else is $10 per species. And then, yeah, there's a convenience fee of $2 for residents and $3.50 for non-residents. And then a predator fee of $3. A hunting license. The hunting license. So the way that the draw, the way that it works in Nevada is um, <clears throat> you are forced or required to buy the hunting license if you want to keep and gain bonus points that year. So they will give you the option yeah. to either buy the hunting license now, or you can buy it if you're successful in the draw or not get it if you're unsuccessful in the draw for whatever you're applying for. <clears throat> Do not, if you want to build bonus points in the state of Nevada, whether you draw or not, well, you won't build bonus points if you draw, but if you don't draw and you want to build bonus points, make sure that you don't click to not get the hunting license. You want to get the hunting license because if you don't, they will not credit you for your bonus points. It saves you, you know, for a non-resident, the hunting license, they make you, of course, the suckers, they make them buy the combination hunting and fishing. <laughs> it's like, there's not even, I don't even know. There's the, no water. Come down to Lake Mead and we'll go catfishing is probably the only place. In the, well, you could, I guess you could go up to a pyramid and hammer those like 20, 30 pound cutthroat, cutthroat, trout up there but anyway you're gonna you're gonna pay the hundred now it's 155 dollars used to be 142 155 dollars for a non-resident combination hunting and fishing license to even be able to just pay the fees and get the bonus points on top of that and so then you're gonna have you know you can do the math a ten dollar or a fifteen dollar for elk uh, species fee plus those you know political fees whatever we're gonna call them um, and so it can add up pretty quick. I remember when we were non-residents and I was still applying back in Nevada, like it was just for the, just not including the tag was a solid, like, like 250, 300 bucks, especially Nevada has some additional like, um, PIW, which is partners in wildlife, uh, permits that are like the best tag ever because you literally have all the seasons and the entire any state, unit. any unit in the state, any time that a hunt's open you get you get to hunt it um and it's it's not a lot it's not like a raffle where everyone can you know these big money guys can come in it's literally just you get one application just like a regular permit and everyone can put in for it i think they give out like 15 or 20 deer tags no one no there's more or maybe that's the silver state you're thinking of maybe the silver state or something else there's only one i think one piw i think you're right piw is you can use a rifle all year on the archery hunt. As soon, yeah, as soon as, yeah, it's the, the silver state tags. I know they give out like 20 of those for deer and that's, you have to use the weapon that's, that's currently open. So you can hunt any archery season in any unit during that archery, during hunt. archery season. And then muzzleloader season, you have to use the muzzleloader. Either but way, either even, way. even if we have them backwards, I want one. 
Okay. And I, I thought that they were mythical creatures. I didn't think that they actually were real until we they, walked up on a guy a couple years ago. Someone, one of my buddies had a tag or something and I was out scouting before the hunt opened and there was a guy uh, in one of these units and he was scouting and uh, he had that tag. And um, so I said, well, from now on, I'm going to start clicking that box. Well, it's, it's pricey though. It's, it's like another twenty five dollar application bucks. fee. It, um, it depends actually for what unit. Anyway, my, my father in law, one of his best friends, drew it last year. Really? Yeah. See, it people happens. people I'm draw it. I've known quite a few people that draw it. I need to start living better. Um, the permit fees, going through all the species here for deer, um, resident is thirty dollars. Non resident is two hundred and forty dollars. Antelope is sixty dollars for a resident, three hundred dollars for a non-resident. Elk is a hundred. <laughs> Here we go. For Here it. we go for elk. This gets pretty <laughs> steep. Elk is one twenty for a resident and twelve hundred, twelve hundred dollar bills for an elk tag. It's like man, well, totally worth it though. It, Sheep. It goes up. Is one hundred and twenty dollars and also twelve hundred for a non-resident. Uh, mountain goat, which I don't actually believe there's any mountain goat hunts scheduled for non-resident this year. Non-resident and bighorn. Just in case you're a resident out there listening, $120 for the goat tag. Lion tags. Nevada does something really interesting. Um, lion tags are just over the counter. Now, it's a, each unit's on a quota system, I believe. I think that it is, actually. I just think down here where we hunt, they never hit never it. Never hit it. Um, but either way, Nevada has over the counter lion tags, um, and you can actually buy two a year. So if you're a non-resident coming out, I would, if it was me, uh, the non-resident lion tag is $104. I would just have that in my pocket. You never know. You hear guys crossing paths with them and that'd be a sweet story to tell. I saw last year on my father-in-law's rifle hunt. I saw three, three just out hanging out. Yeah, well, I think they were trying to kill a coyote or something because they were good. But anyways, do you think you could have got a? You think oh yeah, I think it was a female of two, like yearling kittens, but within rifle range. Um, they were probably, they were probably fifteen hundred yards, but I could have easily closed. Man, I'd have a tag. Even lions, or I'm not sure that I would shoot. I wouldn't be able to shoot a female with like I just wouldn't do that. You know I, what? I Even yeah. coyotes. I I'm not gonna lie. I, like <laughs> I've had a dog. The... I've had a dog, and it's had puppies, and like that would be the first thing going through my uh, mind. But like I'd probably pull the trigger on a coyote with pups. But that would be I would be that would feel bad. I'd, I would. I'd shoot the mom, and then I'd shoot all the pups. Oh, gosh, <laughs> Jason's ruthless. Don't listen, Ted. Jason's dog. He's sleeping right here. But um, and also bear, which is relatively new, maybe six or seven years ago, they opened up a bear tag. I've, I, did you know I've been building bonus points since year one? Yeah. I've I am. Got, I have max points. <laughs> I've got like six or seven. Yeah, me too. I have max points for bear in Nevada and I don't even know what I'm going to do with them. <laughs> I'm just going to keep, I'm going to be the guy with like 29 points, you know, in a long time. And then finally just be like, yeah, I should probably do my bear tag. The only unit that has <laughs> Is uh, way up by Reno. Well, there's like six units, but yeah, it's all one tag. Yeah. It's all along the <laughs> kind of the border. central, yeah, central west uh, border. We hunt the Osos <laughs> from, uh, you know, that's what they call them over there in California, Osos. Uh, $100 for a resident for the bear and 300 for a non-resident. So 
Um, last thing maybe on that that I want to say is actually nothing. I just want to move on. So we talked about the draw process. Um, you get a random number. Um, they go through all your choices. Um, points are squared. We mentioned that. Um, one interesting difference maybe about Nevada from a lot of other states is it's, and I don't want to say random like it's random, but it's because you have bonus points and that gives you a better chance, the more bonus points that you have, obviously, of, of basically being awarded a, a lower number as a hunter um, or higher. I'm not sure exactly how they do that, which direction they go, but you understand the point. Um, but what they don't do is there's no preference point breakup for Nevada. So it doesn't matter if you have max points and you apply for a hunt. If you... You get, might not draw. You might not draw. Um, you know, Utah, for example, here's an example. In Utah, they take 50% on most like deer and elk units. They take 50% of the tags. So if there's, say there's 20 tags for an elk hunt, they're going to take 10 of those and they're going to instantly allocate them to the applicants with the most bonus points who apply. And so if there's 10 guys then that apply with max points that say is 20 points and that's max, all 10 of those guys are going to be awarded a tag and they can basically, as long as there's not a point creep, they can basically guarantee that they're going to draw that tag. And then the other 10 tags would go into the random draw of everyone below that max point line or wherever that, that threshold was. Nevada, 100% of the tags just go randomly in the draw and so you'll see guys when you look at the statistics you'll see guys like you feel so bad for him and you don't even know who it is like some dude applies with like 15 points for a deer unit and like doesn't draw and then there's like three people that you know was a party with like one point down here and they all drew yeah. and like it's just the luck of like they just got lucky and were assigned a lower number than that dude or whatever and like but that's just the way nevada works um i actually prefer the utah type of a system where once you hit a certain point you're you kind of have an idea that you're 100 percent. just more fair it seems yeah and then you know and then you still have that variable of randomness um, on the other tags but nevada man there's just you can't bank on anything you really can't like i mean there's certain tags and certain times where you're like yeah if i put in for this with this many points i'm gonna draw but it is just, man, it's tough. Well, that being said, if you don't have very many points, you should always be putting in for even units that are tough to draw. Just, you know, put in for Oh, them. yeah. You just, always, you yeah. all. it's not like other states too, like uh, Colorado, we were just talking, you know, for like a once in a lifetime hunt over there, you can't, you're not even considered in the draw until you get three preference points. So until your fourth year, well, Nevada's not like that. Like you literally have a chance with no points on year one. Um, you technically have a chance to draw a tag. So it's, it, it's definitely one of those states that I would recommend if you're a guy like me that just wants to draw as many tags as possible. And you're just always like praying that you'd pick up some random, you know, your mountain goat tag or whatever this is a state to be applying for because it could happen. It really could. Yeah. Um, we talked about putting your best choice first, no over the counter there. There are possibly some leftover tags that they do in a second draw usually. Um, but typically there's, so there's no general quote unquote general unit 
There's no, you know, you can't just go buy a tag over the counter in Nevada. Everything runs through a draw system and most, if not all of the somewhat quality, if it's a decent tag at all, it's going to get gobbled up in the first draw. Years ago, they used to pick up a pretty good archery hunt that I know of in the second draw, and that's that's completely gone away. Cut tag numbers. Yeah, no, they, it's there's <laughs> very very few leftover tags, and those units are typically pretty brutal. And then the last thing is um, returning tags because I'm actually looking at this this year. Um, and again, this is you know this is I guess we can just I can give this example. So I have eight elk points in Nevada. And what I'm going to do is there's three, there's the three powerhouse units and I don't have a problem <clears throat> disclosing what these units are. It's not a secret. It's not a secret anyway. Um, there's kind of the three, what I would consider the three powerhouse units, at least down where we hunt. And, and that being said, full disclosure, there's units in the very Northern part of the state. I've never stepped foot in like the garbage, never been in it. I know there's big bulls in there. It's just for me, this is my home court. And I'm, if I'm going to burn eight points or 10 points or whatever it takes me, I know these units too well, and there's too big of bulls and it's too good of a hunt that I'm going to make sure I draw these. That being said, I'm going to put, you know, between the 231, the 222, 221, the 11s, the 111, 114, 115, or whatever. I'm going to put those as my third or my three top three choices. But then I'm going to put a choice that is what I would consider a variable. We've never been in it. We've heard there's really good elk in there. Um, you know, it, it, anyway, I have a lot better chance of drawing it even as my fourth choice. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm just going to draw it. And if I don't like what I see throughout the summer, you can turn your tag back in, in the state of Nevada up until basically one business day before the season. Now, would I wait one business day before the season? If I wanted to turn my tag back in, probably not probably maybe like maybe a week, you know, at the very, very, very longest. However, if you do turn it back in, there's two options. You either keep your bonus points or you lose them. I don't even know. The way I read it today, it almost made it sound like it was just cut and dry. Like if you turn it back, you're forfeiting. Basically, if you don't have a, a like what I would consider a valid reason, meaning it was like medical or military or a death or something like that, it, it made it look like to me, and if someone knows, please, you know, send us an email or comment on one of our posts that it was just going to happen. If you turn your tag back in for any reason, it said the any reason category, which was everything else, you were going to lose the money. You're forfeiting the money, but you, but you're still gain your bonus point, which is obviously a big deal. So, um, so for, for residents, that's not a big deal because but for $1,200 non-resident, yeah. That sucks. Yeah. If, if you're a non-resident and you want to turn a tag back in, you're forking up $1,200 just to get a point. $1,200 so mistake. You might want to... I, I would recommend only putting in for units that you want to hunt, for sure. Okay. So I don't know what else we can go over on the application process. Um, so let's get into maybe just some... I want to go through a breakdown real quick of um, specifics. And so let's let's just go through the species and kind of talk again relative to the backcountry hunter as best that we can. 
um, you know, kind of what, what we're looking at, what we know and where we're looking at it. So I'll start with antelope just because I, so for the backcountry hunter, and this might sound, you know, weird, but there actually is, I think there's one or two units in the upper, um, North West corner of Nevada. It's like, I can't remember now. Um, oh, three, something, oh, three, one, oh, one, two, or something like that. If you research it, there's like a big wilderness area up in the Northwest corner. That's in the desert. It's like a desert wilderness. And I know there's some guys, I guarantee that's where they're going, but it's a, it's a basically a backcountry antelope hunt. If you're that kind of guy and you want to, and your antelope's your thing and backcountry's your thing, it wouldn't take you too long to find out where those are, I think. Um, Other than that, you know, you're just kind of, um, again, man, really just throw a dart. The way that Nevada's terrain is set up, um, so many of the units from basically the, you know, the, about, a third of the way up the state and, and further north. There's antelope. There's just going to be antelope for the most part. I mean, do a little bit of research and make sure there's some kill statistics and they're giving out a decent amount of tags. You know, some of the ones that we hunt pretty often, like the um, 111 uh, outside of Ely. Um, I know, you know, most of those, the 13s, the which is... So that's the other thing in Nevada, the, the hunt uh, units... Uh, locals will basically cut off the last number of the hunt because it's, you know, so if there's a, if the, if the unit says one, one, two, that's area 11. Yeah. If it says one, one, three, that's also area 11. I've, we just, I've tr- talked to a lot of non-residents and they're like, where's they that? Get super conf- yeah. They'll be like, do you know anything about unit 241? I'm like, yeah, 24 is a good unit. They're like, where's 24? Where's 20, I'm like, 24 yeah. is 241. 241. Yeah. So if you hear a resident or anyone for that matter, like just using two digit numbers, that's because they're dropping the last digit. Um, so for antelope, you know, we're not going to spend a ton of time on that, but just, you know, do a tiny bit of research and then just look at the draw statistics, you know, based on what you're after. Um, you know, like I was on go hunt today looking at it. And if you, even at like 75 inch potential units, like, two thirds of the state is lit up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to, you know, that being said, there's not really, I don't think there's a lot of units that are like slam dunks over the next, like there probably is for deer and elk. Um, but you know, so you're just going to kind of have a, a good antelope pun in a lot of places in the state. They're, they're pretty tough to draw too. I mean, yeah, I'm at, I'm at six points, I think. And I've, I still pretty much consider, like for three or four of those units that I was looking at kind of around that area that I mentioned, you know, it was like 20 or 30, maybe 35% chance that I'm going to draw for the, for the rifle. The archery is actually a lot easier if I was, you know, resident with archery, um, but it opens so early. August 1st. August 1st. And even before the deer hunt. And we're just, I'm just so, uh, if we draw that archery deer tag, it opens on the 10th of August, and we're just so gung-ho on that that I don't want to mess with an antelope tag. I hunted archery antelope once, and I promised myself I would never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, he was spotting and stalking, but to me, that would be easier than sitting in a blind for like five days or whatever. Antelope. 120 if, degrees. If you can kill an antelope doing spock and stuff. Spock and stuff. <laughs> spot and stock with the bow then you are much better a bow hunter than i am because yeah, i'm never doing that again 
Okay, so mule deer. Mule deer in the state of Nevada is phenomenal, in my opinion. It's, um, a, it's okay. It's all right. It's it's a for me. It's a must apply for um, species in a must apply for state or whatever. Um, you know, and, and again, we didn't really mention this, but it goes without saying. Nevada is one of those states, in my opinion. If you got, if especially if you're a non-resident and you are just an elk guy, for example, and you got to buy the hundred and fifty-five dollar combination hunting and fishing license to get points for elk every year, you might as well throw in the extra ten for deer and ten for sheep and ten for this and ten for that, because you know someday you might want to go hunt deer and then you've got a bunch of bonus points that only cost you an extra ten or fifteen bucks. So, anyway. Um, I don't know, talk, talk about, talk about, and again, relative to the backcountry hunter, um, again, the way Nevada's set up with, you know, if you look at a map of Nevada, there's just like just endless, almost countless big mountain range, desert floor, big mountain range, desert floor, Mm -hmm. big mountain range, desert floor. And it just goes like that, especially in the lower two thirds of the state. It's just nonstop like that. And to be honest, again, having stepped foot in probably half of those, throw a dart, take a pick, and there's going to be mule deer hanging out at the top of those peaks early, and they're going to get pushed down in the wintertime down towards the flats in the pinion, juniper, whatever. Um, They might even stay up high in some of those units because it's just, you know, there's not a ton of big peaks in Nevada. Um, But if you're just looking for a backcountry hunt, Man, any of those, you know, the the one three whatevers, the thirteens, the sixteen, seventeen, um, any of the 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 powerhouses for me in Nevada for mule deer are uh, the twenty twos, the two two one, two two two, um, then two thirty one is a powerhouse um, with a little bit of backcountry, and two forty one, two forty one, two forty two. Not really a backcountry unit. There is. Um, the Delmars, I believe you could maybe do like a little bit of backcountry, but that's just more of a mountain. And I'm sure there's, I think there's quite a few roads. Um, it's, it's not really a place that you still wouldn't be a place I would go backpack into. Um, if I was applying for the two forties, it would be purely because I wanted to hunt and kill a 200 plus inch buck. Um, and, and again, you're going to work for it. The terrain, um, especially the early seasons, meaning archery, muzzleloader and then the first half of the rifle hunt um it's going to be hot hot and dry and dry and you better you better be around water and you better find water the deer are only going to move early early morning and late late evening i mean some of that unit the 240 unit like we're we're talking cactus we're talking rattlesnakes we're talking you know, country that you wouldn't even believe that a coyote or a cockroach could survive in. And, but there'll be all of a sudden there'll be a big buck, you know, in a Canyon or whatever. And, uh, and he's just living in there and that's what he does. They're desert mule there for sure. Um, there is a little bit of higher country in the two forties, two thirty one. Um, it's quite a bit more high country. Yeah. It's much more my style. Um, there's a couple big, prominent mountain ranges in the 231 unit and you can get a motorized vehicle up on top of uh of one of the mountains there 
but it's rough. It is super rough. You're not going to get just your F-150 or whatever up there. It's going to be a four-wheeler, maybe a side-by-side. I haven't been up there for a long time, but um, anyway, then there is, there's still some wilderness uh, area in that unit. So if a guy wanted to or could pull the tag and that's that's going to be the problem with a lot of these is just i think that 231 non-resident even the archery hunt there's maybe a handful of tags two to five maybe all all these units that we're naming off are never gonna drop (laughs) you better just to give you some perspective um a guy that uh travis that's a guide he has people going in on the guy to draw with like 20 points can't pull for these units and can't get a tag so so plan on having 15 this isn't colorado you know where there's there's legitimate i think there's legitimate 180 190 bucks in some of these colorado hunts that you can definitely pick up with like three bonus points like it's it's just unless you're the guy the guy that gets lucky it's just probably not going to happen that way in nevada um now that being said, there's there's a lot of other these kind of fringe units. Uh, um, again, the um, backing up though the the 22s the 22s for me are kind of a good mix. Um, you got some really big roadless mountain ranges where a guy actually could backpack in, um, and they're they're killing plenty of plenty of big bucks, 180, 190 caliber bucks, probably some 200 inches every once in a while. Um, you got the, in the one, one, ones, one, one, two, one, one, 14, one, one, five. Um, there you got quite a bit of uh, high country and definitely some back country that you could backpack into on that. Um, deer on the one, one, four, one, one, five side, which is kind of on the other side, it's, they're pretty scarce. Um, now that being said, I know there's some big bucks in there. Um, so don't, don't mistake that. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's plenty of big bucks in there, but they're they're a little fewer and far between. Um, that to me, that one one four one one five is more of the elk country. I I honestly think, per, probably in any given unit in in all of Nevada, you can find one one eighty one eighty one ninety bucks. One ninety is pushing it. In most of one eighty two. Okay. In three quarters. One eighty two. I'll ceiling at one eighty three. <laughs> You can find 183 bucks in probably every unit in Nevada. I agree with that. Um, I would dare then, say. Then, you know, for the backcountry guy, to be honest, um, you know, the Ruby Mountains, the the 101 through 10, whatever it is, I can't remember the how far it goes, 107 or something. Um, it it's it's one that a lot of guys, you know, it's no secret. Um, honestly, we've been hunting it for years. Um, and it's still, you know, it's not a secret before we ever came along and it won't be after we're gone. Um, it's the hardest hunt you'll ever do in your life for, for a backpack hunt. You better, you better, if you're going to put the rubies down and you're going to go backpack into the rubies 10 miles, all I can say is you better be in love with the process of hunting and killing a 170 buck. In hot, hot. Because it is the steepest. It is the nastiest. It is the most unforgiving. Now there's there's deer. There's a lot of country to get lost in, and there's there's plenty of deer to chase. Um, but it is. I've been even having been on you know whatever Wyoming, Colorado, um, a little backpacking in Arizona, um, Idaho. 
it's to me it's the most brutal because the time of year it's hot it's early um but it's you know it is what it is it's it's a backcountry hunt um then the other kind of a prominent um what i would consider a backcountry hunt would be like you know the jar garbage uh because there's a big wilderness area up there and again never hunted it um seen some guys pull some decent bucks out of there i don't know that it's a 200 inch type of a unit but it's you know probably a 160 170 type deal possibly find a 183 yeah, maybe a 183 <laughs> at the ceiling there. You know, and then and then if if you're a guy that just wants to hunt every year and kind of stay away, the problem with the rubies, honestly, is there's a thousand guys. There's there's I think there's literally a thousand guys they give out just a, on the archery. Yeah, just on the archery hunt. So there's that's three thousand. You almost right. got to play the the people more in the rubies than you do the deer. It's almost not worth it. Um, if you honestly, honestly, like. If you went on one of these fringe units, like a, a 13, a 16, a f- maybe 14 or 15 unit, um, you know, just kind of those ones that are in kind of the central part of the state um, that aren't the aren't the eastern popular units and they're not the rubies, I honestly think there's more um, guys hunting that kind of under the radar than we realize, and, and they're killing pretty big bucks in there every year. So. Well, I know, 13... 13's consistently killed Thir- big, big. Yeah, the, 13's a tough unit to draw. 13's a tough unit to draw because it's pretty well known. We've so. never hunted it, but. It's you fun. know, and then we're not, I'm not even going to talk about anything in the northwest, northern part of the state um, because I just, I just don't know it. I, I honestly don't know it. Um, when people think of Nevada, they're usually, you know, non-residents are usually picturing these kind of these low desert bucks like you're seeing. And, and those are kind of the. We just named off most of the units that you're talking. Elk in Nevada is actually pretty similar to the conversation we just had, with the exception of there are very, very few elk that hang out in the 241, 242 unit. Um, Probably not worth a non-resident's time, in my opinion. And then definitely not the rubies. It's not an elk unit. In fact, I just saw they're, like, giving out tags to try to clean the elk out of there. Um you know, but again, any of those, the, the powerhouses for elk are going to be the 231s, the 11, the 22s, and then the fringe, kind of the seven, the, uh, yep, the, the seven, the garbage is, is a good one. Um, and then, um, kind of those, uh, sleeper units, in my opinion, would be like, you know, the 16, 17, uh, 13 even, maybe 15, 14, or whatever it is. Basically those same kind of central units in the state of Nevada um, that have relatively big mountain ranges with no roads in between those desert valleys. There's just probably going to be a big, you know, a big bull in there every once in a while. Um, for the archery guy, the hunts, let, let's back up actually on the deer. Um, so the archery deer hunt August 10th through September like 9th or so 5th 5th September 5th um you know you can hunt any of that we like to be there the first week just because you like to be the first guys in there but um I actually think in some of these especially the backpack units there's kind of that first wave of guys that go in and they kind of you know it's almost like like boom like all the hunters are here and then I almost wonder that like the last like two weeks of that hunt wouldn't be like 
awesome. Oh, there's probably no one. Yeah, because, you know, either guys have tagged out or guys use their one week of vacation. And then, you know, the deer kind of probably calm down a little bit till the muzzleloader hunt starts around the 9th or something, 10th or whatever. The 10th. Yeah. Um, and then rifle hunts in Nevada are a little bit scattered generally speaking they're going to run somewhere between like october 5th to like as late as november 30th in a couple of units but mostly just like into the end of november november 5th or so um if you're lucky to draw one of those one of those hunts um i don't know you know obviously everyone wants to hunt mule deer in november um, if you know where they're at in early October, I think that that can be just as good a hunt in Nevada too. There's not a ton of thick country in Nevada. So it's not like maybe like a Colorado or a Wyoming where those bucks are diving off into like the thick timber in between the, the high country and the rut where they're kind of pre-staging. There's just not a lot of, you know, those bucks in Nevada, if they're kind of up high in those high basins, they're still going to be there. Or if they're down in the sagebrush flats, they're still going to be there. And they're maybe a little easier to find in October. That's how we made our living growing up. Um, you know, we would go hunt the last week in October. And, you know, it was a little different strategy back then. We were pounding the hills, uh, you know, just trying to kick a buck up, decide if he was a good buck, you know, as he came out of the, the you know, thick, you know, half a dozen trees that he was in. Uh, and then we're, you know, cracking off a shot if he stopped and looked back or whatever. Um, but... Yeah, just depends on, you know, how late you want to hunt or how many points you have, honestly, for some of those, you know, like a 22 late hunt is going to take you quite a, quite a few points. So back to the elk, the most archery elk hunts in Nevada are going to end like about the 15th of September, you know, and that, man, we've hunted it enough times that last week is plenty of time to let those bulls get going crazy. Um, if you can draw any, any decent archery tag in the state of Nevada, trust me, the, the bulls, for whatever reason, maybe it's a desert unit where they maybe rut a little earlier than they might, you know, on a real high, um, you know, you hear those stories in Utah of the rut not getting going until the end of September. I have yet to see a rut not be just absolutely bonkers by like, you know, September 5th in Nevada. Oh, on, on my tag that I had, a. Uh, 2014 in four or five years we called in a like 360 bull on like august yeah 29th <laughs> yeah not uncommon yeah. to hear you know yeah. a little bugling in august that's partly i think because the pressure's so low they just don't give out a lot of tags in nevada too and so they're not definitely not overcalled. i think there are multiple i think there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bulls every year that just don't get hunted Oh yeah. Like I, I could not believe just the amount of new elk that we were seeing and no one else was in there hunting them with this because the tag numbers are low and the units usually include multiple units. You know, you, the, if you draw a, an 11 tag, you're, you're hunting three or four or five different units that make up a, uh, an insane amount of country. Just and we, we and saw miles. like, I think we saw one other hunter. Mm-hmm. on that whole entire hunt killed a bull we were kind of killed one of the big five points we were looking at but like i mean in a utah hunt you might see five hunters in a day you know or whatever so um then uh nevada they typically there are a couple of 
um, outliers. There's like a muzzleloader hunt that runs in the middle of September, like up in the Jarbage. That's a new one. There's also some rifle hunts that they they start in the middle of September, which yep. is new. Um, super highly coveted tags, I'm sure. Um, but for the most part, the muzzleloader hunt I think is what like middle of October t- typically, mm-hmm. and then might, some might catch it. Yeah, you might catch a bull steel bugling by then. I don't. Probably I wouldn't not. count on it. Um, and then typically the uh, rifle elk hunts in Nevada are going to run around the uh, November, and then there's a late one into December typically. So tough hunts. Tough hunts. Yep. Big bulls still, but you got to you got to work for Probably it. Probably broken up. Um, you know, and and so you just got to be ready for that. Um, no use talking about goats because most guys aren't even going to be able to apply for them. Bighorn sheep, um, no doubt some of the best desert bighorn sheep hunting in the in the West is in the state of Nevada. Again, throw a dart. If, you're, if you happen to be lucky, you know, unless you're a max point guy, I just wouldn't get too caught up in which, which unit. unit. If you need a unit, I mean, just just pick one. Any of these down in the southern 26. half. 26. Yeah, 268. If, uh, you know, that's yeah. that's one that's I know has a lot of a really healthy sheep herd. Um, I hunted that for my U-tag last year. Um, so just throw a dart. If you if you ha- get the dumb luck of drawing a tag, then you're it's just going to be a good hunt. I know it is. Um Rocky Mountain bighorns, maybe up in the north. I don't uh, think you can as an honor. I don't think you can either. Um, no moose in Nevada, at least not huntable moose. Um, what else am I missing? Did we pretty much uh, summar- summarized it up? Okay, anything else on the state of Nevada, man, that we need to talk about? That's it. Okay. Thanks for tuning in. This is uh, it's always fun talking talking our home state of Nevada. Um, if you have any questions, you know this is definitely the state. If you have any questions, feel free to uh, shoot us an email, or you know you can always uh, direct message us on Instagram on the Finding Backcountry podcast page. Or the email is findingbackcountry at gmail.com. If you have any questions about the Nevada draw, we would be happy to uh, let you know anything that we didn't cover or uh, something that we might be able to help you with. So, Jason, last words. Well, just don't put in for the units I put in for so so I can draw a tag. (laughs) Well, most of these guys are non-residents anyway, so who cares? Well... Yeah. Okay. Put in for whatever you want. Go go for it. Shoot for the stars. You know, you just better to shoot for the stars and land on the top of the roof than shoot for the what is it? Shoot for the crap pile and hit it. <laughs> I don't know. All right. With that, we're out. Hey everybody! Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.